we have our first instance of COVID postponement. The Leafs will not play the Calgary Flames this week due to the Flames having COVID issues. Um, it's going to be a bit of an interesting trip now. Like they, They're going out to Edmonton, and then they got to kind of wait around now to go and play um, Vancouver and Seattle. And I wanted to, like, that kind of is what it is, but I wanted to use that as sort of a segue to, like, start this episode by not talking about um, the Leafs specifically. And I want to talk a little bit about the Olympics. I have never done a 180 on something in my life quite like the NHL players going to the Olympics. If you talked to me a few weeks ago, I was stoked. I was ready. I was into the roster construction. I was like, for two weeks, the Talking Buds podcast is going to be about Team Canada and we'll talk about the games and the team and whatever. Now, don't send them. Don't send them. Like, when you look at, like, the intense quarantine rules that will be in place for all the Olympic athletes in China. I could you imagine if Austin Matthews or Jack Campbell goes over there, tests positive for COVID has to quarantine for three weeks. And then we just don't see them again. That's a disaster. That's a disaster. And, and like just from the NHL perspective, just games getting postponed, like, you have to make up those games somewhere, and there's a two-week or two-and-a-half-week, however long it is, block that is gone because of the Olympics. And and why is the NHL okay with the players going to the Olympics this year? Because the players. And they want to grow the game in China, yeah. the, the, the untapped market yes. of the biggest market that all sports want to get into. So maybe... They were just like, you know what? We're going to send them. Let's send them to a place where our best players are going to be able to showcase their skills. And this is what you get when you watch NHL hockey. But now it's like it's becoming more unrealistic as each day goes by. And the conversation keeps getting brought up by prominent people who know a lot in the hockey world. So, And you have players already coming out being like, "Mm, I'm not that stoked. No, I I wouldn't be. There's too much. Like, I understand that it's emotional for these guys. And getting the chance to not only go and, like, play for your country, but to be an Olympic athlete and go and experience what that's like. It's like going to play a hockey. It's like really exciting. An NHL player's hockey tournament. Yeah. You get to go play at a hockey tournament against all the best players in the world, the same guys you play every night. but. You play for your country, and it's just like a cool experience. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? I totally get it. Yeah, so, but it's a little sketchy, and if if I wasn't, like, the owners take a great deal of of crap, rightly so, but if I was an owner, I'd be like, um, no, Austin Matthews, I'm paying you $12 million. Mm -hmm. I really don't want you out of commission for a week or two. Because you went over and tested positive for COVID. Well, who knows what their situation would be at the Olympics. I know people or athletes who are in, like, I don't want to sound, to make this sound demeaning or anything, but 
athletes that are specific to like Olympic specific sports aren't exactly making 12 schmill a year. Yes. So when Austin Matthews goes over to China to play in the Olympics, what is his situation? Where is he staying? How many people is he in contact with? It's well, you got to think he'd be staying in the Olympic village with the rest of team USA. Yeah. But these are the types, if they're going to go, then these are the type of things that they have to figure out and get under control because that's the only way you can control it to a certain degree is you go here, you go to the rink and then you go back here Mm -hmm. and that is it. And you get to interact with your teammates. They're all together. But other than that, there's no interacting with anybody else. Like uh, that's, that's the type of situation it would have to be to like totally avoid a awful situation. I was listening to the radio today and they were saying um, if it were to get canceled, then like they would essentially get a two week break because they don't have the building availability to like sort of rejig the schedule. Yeah. Does a two-week break sound that if you're an NHL player and you've been grinding through the first part of this season, it's been like a like a race here. They're they're playing every other night, pretty yeah. much. Oh, the Leafs scheduled they yeah. played five more games than the Bruins. Wouldn't you be like two weeks off? Oh. Yeah. It is goat. I'm coming up on two weeks off soon and I'm excited. We'll be three weeks off. Tech well, it it would be a total of three weeks off, but you'd probably have them back a week prior and do like a mini camp basically then, then why are people having conversations about them cancel the olympics because of games being missed i i don't know like that's kind of an area of conversation that i've heard it's it's they can't make up these games in late april or may or whatever they have pushed back so they would take that time to play the games but if what you said is true then well, they don't, don't have really they don't have the uh, the building availability. These buildings are like have they have concerts, they have NBA right. games, Maybe they that's have all not kinds like of stuff. The case for like how many how many pe- there's no NBA team in Calgary like yeah. So may, I don't know. Like I mean that's speculation. All, all this is to say I think we're reaching a point where I don't think they're going. Um, and I think it's just I think there's just too much at stake. And um, yeah, like selfishly, like we want to watch it. Yes, hundred percent. But, well, I don't know. Like, I was with I was with some people on the weekend, and we were talking about Team Canada's roster. Um, Team Canada's goaltending situation is not what it was in 02, 2010, and 04. I mean, twenty fourteen. I mean, like, I, who's I your starting goalie? Like, I don't want to. I want to talk about the Leafs here, but like. Who's your starting goalie for Terry Price has to be your starting yeah. goalie until he proves he can't. I don't care how much time he's missed. Like who's who comes after them though? We, we saw what Carey Price did to the Maple Leafs in the playoffs yes. last yes. season. Yes. Like in what he did in 2014, winning gold there. So like that's your starter. Yeah. I know he's had an awful history, especially on international stages and in NHL playoffs. But I would have to consider Mark Andre Fleury. I, I I don't think he's had. He's guys won guys won two cups. He won one cup being the guy, and then yeah. the other two, two like yeah. Matt Murray played. Well, he made it to the final with with Vegas. Yeah. So and then he carried. But then last year he had that awful goal against the Habs that yeah. turned around the whole series in the World Juniors. He threw the puck off the guy's yeah. back into the net. Like he's got some. He's got some choke in him. He's got some demons. Yeah. He's got some international hockey Jordan demons. Jordan Bennington? Like, yeah, like Carter Hart. Hart. I yeah. can't even stop a puck in Philly. I know, I know, like, I know. 
All right, let's talk about the Leafs. Um, yeah, they suck. I don't. They don't. Suck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like a well, bit, I'm just reading what I read on Twitter. So bit, I would say I gotta I w- believe everything I read. Listen, listen, so. listen. When they were when they were on that epic run and dummying everybody, like we all knew that like they were playing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there weren't. It's the answer is somewhere in the middle. They're not as terrible as they started the season, but they're not as unstoppable as they looked a month ago. No, this is this is a perfect test for the fan base and the team. They go on an unbelievable run where they give up limited goals. It was phenomenal to watch. And then now they're starting to slip back into turnover land. Uh, odd, odd man, man rushes. Rush. Oh, my God. Giving up rushes. four goals a game. Taking, getting a little sleepy. You know, no, no, no. You know what I heard against Chicago the other night? It took us just under two months in the season to hear it. Killer instinct. Yeah. We lacked the killer instinct. And we put we built up a lead against the Blackhawks and then just couldn't couldn't put them away. Yeah, and that's what they were doing on that run. But like you said, they're getting pulled back in to the things that have hurt them in the past. And this is a great test for them because you can like this is what this is the demon you're facing. The way you've played. Like they really played three off. Like they lost to Minnesota. They battled hard, came back. They lost to Winnipeg, hard fought battle. That game against Columbus was arguably one of the worst hockey games I've ever watched in my entire life. Squeaked out a win. Played Tampa. Played played okay. Played pretty good. I thought their forward group was okay. The the bottom six was a an absolute embarrassment. Yeah. And then against Chicago, I thought they were awful. Yeah. But they go two and one in those three awful games they played. So they show the ability they can still win a game, squeak out a win, but this is the test. Like you have to figure out how to eliminate this. You've already shown so much promise, probably more promise than they've ever shown during that run with the goaltending, the defensive play, everything else, the power play starting to click. But now it's it's coming back, and you have to find a way to eliminate that. Sheldon Keefe has to find a way to get them motivated to eliminate that. Know, know that it's going on and find a way to eliminate it, or else it's just going to be the same story over and over and over again, and then people are going to call us idiots, and I'm going to go on Twitter and see how much this team sucks and hear every other Canadian fan base. and um. A couple, a couple things I wanna, I wanna flag. First and foremost is Peter Mrazek. Um, he let in, he didn't start the game all that well oh. at Chicago. That was, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more like. Sometimes you're just like, oh, it's early. Like you know, he's come back from an injury. We'll give him one. I saw that. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but this comes, he gets beat clean on like. The most basic, like it was like Taves hasn't scored in a million years, and he comes down and takes a little dinky wrist shot. It scoots right by him. It's like, oh, but, but, oh, I thought he battled. No, I, yeah, he his did. his defense left him out to dry, oh. as you pointed out. So many quality scoring chances. He, I thought he played okay, and I'm at a point with Peter Morazic where it's like, get this guy in there. Like, get him in there, get him playing. Yeah. Because if you watch Jack Campbell against the Tampa Bay Lightning, was was he bad? No, he wasn't. Did he look like 
all world Vesna Jack Campbell in that game? No. Also, no. And he's coming off taking a flying knee to the head by Marcus Felino. <laughs> I think he's played way, way, way too much hockey. And yeah. so Peter Morazic, get in there, work out the kinks, figure it out. You gotta go on a run here. Like, like th- they're gonna start, they're gonna start Campbell against the Oilers, because it's the Oilers. Yeah. So whatever. But like Get Morazic in there against Vancouver. Get him in there against Seattle. I don't care. Like, put him in there. The first goal had me worried, but he made some great saves after that. And some of the goals he let in, like maybe positionally could be a little bit better. But oh, him, he was he, getting screened, and it's like you you can't excuse the way they played the other night. Yeah. I know they won the game because they got up early, and I was happy to see that the guys who were supposed to score scored, but. They turned the puck over like 20 times in that game. Like, awful. Him, Mrazek and Campbell are polar opposites when it comes to how they play the position. Campbell is steady as she goes yeah. type guy, and Mrazek is flip-flop yeah, he was all, all over, the, over place. the place. I think that also had something to do with him kind of getting back into the feel of things. He was definitely almost lucky on some occasions. But it doesn't matter the what he's like. Like you said, you got to get him in there. You got to get Jack Campbell some rest. So like, you got to roll with it. Whatever. How concerned are you about the defense? Core? I'm very concerned. That's I was specifically the second pair. That weird pause I just took like 30 seconds ago. Yeah. I was going to transition into this, and then I was like, but maybe I, I should I beat you to it. Maybe I should finish that thought on Peter Morazic before I just jump topics. But one thing this losing streak has pointed out is we know. They're not good enough. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're good not enough. good. They're enough. not good enough. They can play well defensively, but what has happened he, to Justin Hole? Like, I do think Justin Hole played a little better than what he actually against is. Against the crap year. division, yes. against the same teams over and yes. over. And I've, ne- yeah. I have never been a Justin Hole guy. Never. That is true. Check the tape. That is never. True. That is true. He's a mediocre defenseman who. Through an awful division in the most boring, mind-numbing, hit-me-over-the-head-with-a-shovel hockey I've ever watched in my entire life, a.k.a. the Canadian division. I just, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm also not surprised that Jake Muzzin has lost his step. And I don't know what he does. Like, I know he lays the odd hit. And they, people are like, oh, he's a big, rough-and-tumble physical guy that they have back there. I don't think he's that. I I, I don't think he's that at all. Listen, he I... can't move the puck. He can't on. pinch properly. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here's what I'll say. I do not think Jake Muzzin has had a great season. I, I don't. However, however, his partner has been horrendous since from the word go this year. Yeah. And there were a couple shifts over the last week where Keith gave Lilligren a look up there with Muzzin. And I thought there was a noticeable difference. I do think there is part of Muzzin who is overcompensating a little bit for his terrible defense partner. That's what I think because when he had Lilligren rhythm and I'm not saying Timothy Lilligren's the answer. He's not, he, you, you're not winning anything with Justin Hall or Timothy Lilligren in your top four. You're not. No offense. No offense, Lilligren. But yeah. I did notice a change in Muzzin's game. This is going to be really interesting to watch because Kyle Dubas got burned last year making a deadline acquisition for Nick Felino. Yeah. And it's very clear to me, like they have they have other needs, like 
I'd love another guy on Rob, the left there's wing. there's no other need. It's, no, no. There's I, I, none. The, the most important, glaring, desperate need is they need another top if four I defenseman. If I hear one more time that they need a, a left winger. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't need another left winger. They need two defensemen. Not one, two. Yeah. You know what they have to give up to get those defensemen? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So they're they're screwed. I don't know what he's going to do. Kyle Dubas has to make an Alex Anthopoulos-like decision right now. And like, yes. Yes, he does. I, That's I am, a great analogy. I am not. Great comparison. I'm getting fired if I don't succeed. Yeah. Why Why should he care what the team's going to look like in five years? If he's got to unload what he's got to unload. And, and to be fair to him, Austin Matthews' contract is going to run out. Everyone's contract is going to run out. They have to re-sign everybody. Jack Hamill's going to be gone. You don't know what the future is going to hold. So while you have the best players that you're going to have in your franchise in a very long time, you might as well just go for it. Would you consider, and again, I don't know if anyone would take him now, given the fact that he's been hurt, but would you consider moving uh, a Nick Robertson Yes, to get a top four defenseman to play right now? Yeah. 100 yep. percent won't even think twice about it yeah see you later mm. what is he doing for them right now Nothing. he's hurt he's been hurt for a while yeah so but even if he if wasn't he... would he be up playing no because he's not a, they're not going to put him in the bottom six i've already said this before there's no point in bringing up a guy who you see as a top six player and play him in your bottom six and then eventually that weird hockey thing happens where a guy with skill just starts playing like he has none when he's in a bottom six I like Nick Robertson. I love the idea of having guys in your system who can come up in the future and be and difference makers. Be a difference maker, just like like in baseball. Like it's so important. But at this point, Dubas is screwed. This franchise is kind of screwed. I don't care about what happens in five years, to be honest with you. Like this is what you have to work with right now. What what are we in year five, six mm. of this? It's time to sell sell whatever you got to sell. Your job's on the line. Yeah. You you might as well just throw the, the stick of dynamite and call it a day. So you he he has traded away a lot of draft capital in his time here. Hundred percent. So you'd do it again if you were him. Yeah, I would yeah. because last year he got burned. But yeah. no, we all love the move when he like made me it. and you were on here being like, oh, it's sick. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever. It, it whatever happened happened. I think they could have won that series without him. To be honest with you, yeah. they they had that series won, and nothing to do with that. Obviously, you want him to play more, but it's just I don't. If you're not trying to make this team better this year, then like what are we doing? Like who cares about what they're gonna look like in five years? They're gonna be garbage again, and we're gonna hate them all over again. So let's just go for it now. And you got to just sell whatever you need to sell. I don't care how it looks, how it feels. Just make sure whatever you're getting back is something that you're going to need. Two, who's going to help? Two more uh, questions for you before we get out of here. Um, talk to me about the second-ranked power play in the National Hockey League. Mitch Marner's not on it anymore. He's that's useless. an interesting. That's an interesting answer because I'm that. That will help me segue into my second point. But yeah. continue. He's useless on the power play. Can't shoot, predictable, can't stand in front of the net to tip pucks in. Just a guy who completely overthinks the entire process of a power play, in my opinion. If you can't shoot the puck, then you can't be in a prominent wing position. That's why Willie and Austin on those two sides, or even putting Spets on a side, works because all those guys are a threat to, to blast and the puck. And then you got Johnny and or Kasha. Yeah. 
Yeah, Johnny, I'm loving Kasha on, the, on PP1. I'm loving Kasha all over the ice. Yes. On yeah. five on five, everything. What a find. Yes. It, we'll stay, stick on the power play here, but I just think Mitch Marner is not a fit on that power play. And I know that might be an answer that's, well, then, that's like just I, the go-to may, answer. Well, but, there's been all these rumors. Dude, we've about, been talking about yeah, this for a long yeah, time, man. Yeah, we have been talking about this for a long time. And they're back to being ranked second in, in the league. How many, what has Willie scored? Like three goals shooting off his side? Yeah. And everyone's always focused on Matthews. You put a, you put Willie on the other side, the guy can shoot the puck. He can score. So I think Marner not taking up a prominent position. I wish Marner could be like Riley almost. But even Morgan Riley is doing such a better job. Like This guy's racking up assists because he's finally understanding that you need to just put the puck on net. And let people hit the rebounds in instead of missing the net and going back for an odd man rush oh, on a penalty kill. My God, I love. Uh, listen, I love Morgan Riley as a guy, and he is their one of their most important core pieces. But my God, does that guy love to miss the net? Oh, holy! So you're attributing the Leafs' success on the power play to no Marner. Yeah. So what if I see that and I raise you a penalty kill that has fallen down in the rankings because it misses Mitch Marner? I'd raise you five on five, too. Yeah. I don't think it's just a penalty kill. I think it's five on five as well. How do you think the the loss of Mitch Marner has impacted Austin Matthews? I don't... Five on five? That's a good question because he's on fire right now. Like, he's scoring a goal a game. I think... I see Austin Matthews actually working harder on the ice without Marner because I think Marner is actually pretty underrated when it comes to getting back and being in position in his own end. I know he's not always physically ready for any physical situation, but he's pretty good at getting back. I see Matthews working harder five on five, but in terms of scoring goals right now, I think Michael Bunting is doing an amazing job having chemistry with him. Another guy. What a find. Yeah. Yeah. We got to give Kyle Dubas some credit well, here. So, so this is what, so I, I want to, I don't want to get too far off, but like I was talking about this with someone today and I was saying, I'm not as like, I don't really look at like, cause we were talking about, Oh, you know, if they get uh, eliminated in the first round, is Dubas going to get fired? Like what you just said. And mm-hmm. probably, but I'm also at a point where I'm like, this guy's done all he can do. Like he went out and he got, he went out and he got cash as a great find. Bunting's a great find. David Camp's, Camp's a great, a great find. find. And we were all making fun yeah. of him, calling him like, "Who the hell is this yeah. guy?" Camp's a great find. Nick Ritchie's had his struggles, but like, what, like, whatever. Like, you could make the argument that that they overpaid Morazic, but he's had some injury tr- troubles, and the idea was yeah, for hard. it to be yeah, a tandem a with Campbell. So if they don't have playoff success it's gonna be on the big guys right it's not gonna be he's done all he can do. i don't think he deserves to get fired like i've changed my mind on that i really have i want to speaking of the big guys i want to go back to austin matthews really quick have we tried to fit this square peg into a round hole with austin matthews what do you mean I do think that I heard a conversation on the radio last week and I've gone on in the past on here and I said, you know, I really want to watch Matthews like dominate the play like, but he's not that type of hockey player. He is one of, if not the most gifted goal scorer we've ever seen. Yeah. He's not Connor McDavid. You're not going to see him take the puck in the defensive zone, skate through the entire team. No. So I think there is like everyone wants Matthews to go to this like 
level where he dominates. He dominates scoring goals, which Rob, is. I think Austin Matthews. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I making sense with what we've I'm saying? We've had this here? conversation before where it's it's like he's compared to McDavid, but there is a a pretty big difference from watching the two guys play. But I honestly think that's starting to fade a little bit. I think he is dominating play on the ice. He might not have. No one has that McDavid ability. Yeah. Like maybe like McKinnon or a couple other dudes who are fast where you literally go end to end and just it's ridiculous. But I think when Matthews's line is on the ice, like I think he is dominating the play. I think he's on fire right now. Yeah. Well, he is. Like he's all of a sudden, he's, he's, yeah, he's back in he's the rock. He's got past Yeah. Like he's, he, he's like, he could not score if he tried. Yeah. Like he's scoring a goal, a game at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's coming like almost easy to him. The puck finds him. I, I just it's just so it's just it goes to show how how silly like we talked about his interaction with Gord Miller last week. It goes to show like how silly like the media is and this like like it's God like that narrative for weeks about oh he's not scoring five on five. Oh he's dude, not scoring guy, five on five. It's like just oh respect God. to Ovi because Ovi is going to do something that may not seem possible at any point and break that goal record unless something catastrophic happens. But Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the NHL. Yeah. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah. Like, in all areas. He could go down as one of the best goal scorers If he ever. stays healthy, yeah. like, he'll have a hard time getting up there with Ovi because he won't have, well, maybe he will, but Ovi had, like, the 60 goal. And, yeah. like, he was in the 50s a couple times. But, man, Austin Matthews, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I he, I think he is crossing that threshold of being, like, a guy who does dominate the puck when he's you, on the ice. Do you think he misses Mitch Marner? Yeah, yeah. of course. Like, I think the whole team misses yeah. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner's a big part of this team, and not just offensively, but also defensively, even though sometimes he's soft. But he, he does work hard defensively. I don't think they miss him on the power play. No, but... They do miss him on the penalty kill, and they do miss him on five-on-five, five for sure. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us this week. We got an interesting sort of um, twist to the Western road trip with the Calgary game getting canceled. But Edmonton is always – Edmonton Leafs is always marquee. It is It is pretty funny that the both, Oilers have dropped five yeah. in a row. I mean, it's yeah. got a little less excitement around it because they've lost five in a row. And the Leafs have, the well, Leafs have come back of, to earth a little bit. And it's yeah. funny how both these teams – are are doing the same thing. Dude, they're mirror images of and each getting other. the same results. Yeah, I actually yeah. think the Oilers have it a little bit worse than the Leafs because of the lack of goaltending. Like yes. Miko Koskinen sucks. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, he sucks, man. He's got like a three goals against average. He's brutal. Yep. And it's funny how the same thing just comes around and around for both these franchises. Not enough depth for the Oilers, not good enough D, no goaltending. The Leafs just turnovers can't keep the puck out of their net and it's ugh. all right everybody that's gonna do it for this week thanks so much for checking us out if you like what you see hit that like and subscribe button below also if you don't already head on over to our instagram at talking buds podcast and give us a follow there spread the word tell your friends we really appreciate it we'll see you next week after the western road trip Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. 
The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.